Carlsberg new marketing technique. Our beer sucks. Our seasonal beer is overrated. Ask the Philly Brewer who just declared bankruptcy. IBM helping a brewery salvage $30,000 a month in lost sales? And ABM Bev are still assholes, but what's new? It's all beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, industry news, new beer releases, and whatever else from the craft beer industry we feel like talking about. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How are you doing today, Tyler? Oh, pretty good. How are you? Good, good. I got to uh, brew with a, uh, a hop I hadn't uh, had much experience with uh, up till now. I did a, uh, a, a, pretty, a pretty simple IPA with Summit Hops. Oh, nice. Uh, I know the brewery that I work for, we do uh, one beer. Uh, we've done two beers with Summit Hops. It's pretty solid. Don't dry hop with it. <laughs> oh, really? Why? It'll give garlicky, like, sweaty sock. <laughs> well, now I'm going to have to go change my recipe really quickly because I was just doing a straight, uh, doing straight Summit with a, and dry hopping with it. But uh, don't do that? From everything I've read, don't do that. Okay, well, um, great. Now I have to change my recipe. No, now my this day sucks. I'm leaving now. <laughs> Tyler, now that you've ruined my recipe, what are we drinking today? Uh, so we've got a couple of Mike Hess Brewing out of San Diego IPA. So we have their Hop Cloud Hazy IPA, the Into the Sunset Blood Orange IPA, and Grapefruit Solace IPA with Grapefruit. One reason I got this is just because I love the can style. It's the full 360 open top can. I like from the marketing aspect that it actually sets you aside on the shelf, as well as you get the full aroma drinking straight out of the can. I have to. I like the. Uh, I like the Northeast IPA quite a bit. It's nice, light, fruit forward. Um, the grapefruit is a little bit intense. It's. I mean, it's a ton of grapefruit to the point of being almost grapefruit rind. The blood orange is nice. Yeah, the blood orange. Uh, pretty refreshing as well. The grapefruit, I agree with you, a little heavy. San Diegoans, so. Well, what what are you going to do? Tyler, you want to start us off today? Yeah, so first topic that we kind of took a look at was Carlsberg's new marketing campaign. So their old marketing campaigns used to be probably the best beer in the world. Which is denstrably false. I think anybody who's accidentally or- ordered Carlsberg... <laughs> They regret that decision pretty handily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they changed it up now, and it says probably little quote or little like carrot up to not the best beer in the world. Um, the VP of marketing uh, said at Carlsberg UK we lost our way. We focused on brewing quantity, not quality. We became one of the cheapest, not the best. And he then went on to say, in order to live up to our promise of being probably the best beer in the world. We had to start again. So apparently they went through, revamped their whole recipe for the beer uh, to make it probably the best beer in the world, quotation. <laughs> I mean, they got a long way to go. It's not like that was an acceptable beer or it was a, oh, that's okay, it could be better. It was awful. I don't. It's been a long time since I had it last. I feel like I ordered it at a uh, tap room uh, here in Boise. And... I very rare. I I can usually suck down a pint of it just about anything. I mean, if even if it's mediocre or has an off flavor, I can usually get through a pint and never do that again. I had to send that back. I don't know if I've had one in a long time, and I almost stopped by the store to buy one just so we could have it while we were discussing this. What got me though is they're a massive beer producer over in the UK. It would have been similar to like an AB InBev being like, yeah. Our beer sucks. We're going to try to change it up. 
I mean, they auto, they absolutely should do that, or just be like, our beer sucks, you drink it because you hate feelings, and that's why we have booze. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side of the coin, I kind of see where they're coming from, especially in today's day and age with some of the younger uh, consumers. They really care about the brand identity, as well as how honest the brand is. So, by Carlsberg flat out saying, hey, we lost our way, we... Cheaped out on the beer, focused on selling a lot of it, not selling good beer. They may be able to win back some of that brand loyalty. But if that revamped recipe is dog shit as well, they're fucked. Well, I mean, so let me ask you a question. Do you think do you, do you think the overall message gets through with, if, if, the, if the, uh, lo, uh, the slogan is just probably not the best beer ever? Uh, do you think people are going to read more into that? Or is it like, oh, they're just full on admitting that their dog, their, their, their beer is horse piss? I mean, I think it's going to be like an 80-20 swing where 80% actually click on the article like I did to go, okay, what's up with this? Uh, <laughs> or someone messed up and accidentally tweeted out the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, but I think 20% are just going to be like, yeah, yeah, it is. Let's keep scrolling. Uh, but what I found kind of funny uh, was they did a mean tweets reading that they had a bunch of their employees read mean tweets of people drinking their beer. And it went from, like, the piss of Satan and <laughs> stuff like this. It was brutal. Uh, and then I, how I found out about this all was uh, I follow James Watt, uh, the owner, one of the owners of BrewDog on Twitter. And he tweeted at Carlsberg and said, thanks for knocking off our trick because back in October of 2018, they did a reading mean tweets of BrewDog. And it was him and Martin Dickey, the two founders of BrewDog, reading some of the tweets that were hilarious. If you get a chance, watch the video. And then he said, in the revamped recipe, are you going to use 100% malt and keep it in the fermenter for longer than eight days? And I was like, Man, can someone say this to Anheuser-Busch? <laughs> I mean, there's something kind of charming that they can't even do self-deprecating well. They're like, no, we did it first, uh-huh. and you're doing it worse. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the not the best self-deprecating tweets ever. <laughs> no, but some of the tweets to Carlsberg were pretty hilarious, and it reminded me of the Twitter page Emo Budweiser. <laughs> I will leave that one where it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Another one bites the dust news now. Uh, Philly-based brewery Weibacher announced this week that a majority stake is being sold to 1518, a private investment group. This after the brewery declared Chapter 11, so regardless of how you feel about brewery acquisitions, you've got to give it to them. This is basically survival. Yes, true. Um, I haven't done a ton of research into it. Uh, I've had a couple of Weibach beers. Solid beers... Um, but, I mean, from the little tidbits I saw, they doubled down heavy on an expansion a couple years ago that just cost way too much for the new brew system. And then they didn't have the sales to back up the expansion and were just kind of trying to keep their head above water. Um, I mean, I kind, of, I kind of perused the article. There's not a lot I found interesting, mostly because it's a lot of business stuff that I couldn't care less about. Uh, IPOs, stocks, and people in suits say, saying things that don't mean anything. But <laughs> I did find something interesting. I found this quote um, from the new president, uh, uh, Josh Lamp. Um, this was as reported by uh, Justin Kendall and from Brewbound. 
we were expecting to see double-digit growth for a number of years, and the market saturation that happened in Pumpkin and all the other things, that just didn't pan out. We're going to gallop right past the double-digit growth thing right now. I'll, do, I'll loop back. We'll, no, we'll go back, trust me. But I do want to talk a little bit about pumpkin beers. It seems strange to me that pumpkin beers can make or break a brewery. <laughs> I mean, it could be an offhand comedy throughout, but it has it had to be on his mind. So let's talk about that for a second. I mean, if I'm starting a brewery, there, of course, are going to be a couple beers that I'm going to hang my hat on. I mean, just pulling a couple local examples... A local brewery, Sockeye Brewing here, hangs their hat on Dagger Falls. That's what pays the bills. Barbarian hung their hat here locally on barrel-aged and uh, barrel-aged stouts and sours is kind of their wheelhouse. Which, I'm like, awesome. Go for that. But a pumpkin beer is such a limited market. Why are you trying to hang your hat on that? <laughs> well, they... And apparently... I don't know. I kind of, if you live on the East Coast, maybe you can tell me. Uh, send us. A, send us. Maybe they're a bigger thing here. Um, they were big here for a while. Now there's only one brewery, even in the Northwest region, that even cares about pumpkin beers, and that's Elysian. They do about thirty uh, during their normal run. Yeah. Not very few of the local breweries I notice even care to try anymore. A couple still will give it a shot. The hard part is, is you've got such a short window from the brewery side to get it out, uh, where it's really, in my mind, and I may be a little biased, but how I've always seen it is you really have two weeks to sell the full batch of a pumpkin beer, and kind of that middle of October, as soon as you get about past Halloween... You might get a few spillover sales with, like, Thanksgiving, but if you make it to Thanksgiving and you still have pumpkin beer, you're fucked. No, I will absolutely tell you, as someone who's uh, ordered beer for small bottle shops and grocery stores, I always did pumpkin beers really... What I would usually do is order a bunch of them in September, and that was it. Just Mm -hmm. one big order of all I could get. Push them out because come November 1st, if you still have them, guess what? They are now yours. Yeah. And they are going to be yours forever. I went to... You, one of, you may get a couple sales here and there till Thanksgiving, but... I even was uh, going through one of the local uh, uh, specialty grocery stores and I found a couple of pumpkin beers still hanging out. Because, you know, it's April. Who wants a pumpkin beer? Except for me. I would still drink the shit out of a pumpkin <laughs> beer in late April. Um... Also, I find it interesting. I wonder if this is not a uh, a if this is about seasonals in general because I think in two thousand and eight it probably made sense to uh, to do to hang your hat a lot more on pumpkin beers. But I think people's tastes have evolved, and it's just not something that they are are uh, uh, gravitating towards as much. At least not here on this side of the coast. I was going to say, at least from my perspective here in the Treasure Valley, seasonals no longer really matter if you have a seasonal for. Seasonals have kind of gone by the wayside, and it's more about rotators. So it's when I walk into an account to try to sell beer, it's very much, oh, what do you got new? And they don't care if I have a seasonal out for two, three months. They're, what's new? So you do a batch, you do a batch of something new, and then just keep rolling something new through that place. But, I mean, on the East Coast, it could be different as well. Well, I did find an article from uh, the uh, the Philly Voice that uh, listed their top, I want to say, 12 pumpkin beers last year. And Weyerbacher did have their Imperial Pumpkin Beer on that list, but it wasn't number one. 
Oh. So, ouch. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to hang your hat on it, you should probably be top three. It just seemed like a, such a bizarre style for him to throw out, like, ah, our pumpkin beers didn't do shit this year, so uh, let's also talk about double-digit growth. <laughs> yes, so I managed to find an article from a couple economists uh, talking about what an industry standard growth should be, and about 4 to 5% is what most economics and finance people recommend is a solid good growth rate of four to five percent per year growth where tech it can be about 14 15 so all these breweries that have been experiencing just gangbuster growth it was eventually going to stop slow down and level out around that four or five percent uh and so when they said they were banking on double digit growth in my mind i'm like that's banking that you're going to be exceeding industry average across all industries well, and it struck me as strange because they're not a new brewery. They're one of the older breweries. They've been around for apparently 24 years. Yeah. And you can't have double-digit growth. No for... company has ever had double-digit growth for 24 years nonstop, I don't think. Not that I know of. I mean, someone proved me wrong if they, that exists, but I think... Uh... If I had a bet and someone has... I'm going to say that they probably ain't making it to 30. I'm probably right in saying if, you're, if your business plan demands that you make double-digit growth for years on end, you are probably going to end up like Weyerbacher. Or you've got to have a damn good plan and can execute flawlessly. <laughs> so I guess what we're saying is um, don't try to make, it, make pumpkin beers your flagship, I guess. Don't expect double-digit growth out of pumpkin. <laughs> Tyler, what's next? Um, so I managed to find a kind of neat article about a brewery out of Charleston, North Carolina called Sugar Creek Brewing Company, and the article was titled, titled, When Old School Craft Brewing Meets Industry 4.0 AI. So the whole premise of the article is, uh, Sugar Creek Brewing, uh, was having a few issues with their bottling line and manufacturing process. Uh, and the owners realized they were losing more than 30 grand per month on on the foam problem in their bottling line. I'm going to skip over the 30 grand losing per month because I have a little side tangent I want to go on. <laughs> You're already vibrating. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, let's push uh, on. So they ended up contacting IBM Watson, uh, Internet of Things, and AI platform uh, to try to help solve this problem. So they installed Bosch sensors on its bottling line to monitor every aspect of the beer making process and are using this data sent over to IBM to continuously analyze and see if they can find a problem. Well, sure enough, they found the problem. There was a guy named Joe who was like <laughs> just putting a hose down to the drain and hitting the uh, valve and just standing there smoking a cigarette. No. Uh, <laughs> How else do you lose that much fucking beer? <laughs> uh, uh, so what it says is, as the beer went from tank to tank in the bottling line, imbalances in pressure and temperature would create excessive foam leading to waste. As a result, the bottles were getting inconsistently filled prior to labeling. These bottles would then have to be pulled off the line and recycled, wasting quality product. So I'm like, this is awesome. The business background in me and the craft brew nerd is like, that is awesome. They're integrating all this to help save i mean if you want to look at a marvelous feat of i can't believe i'm about to say this supply chain management and quality standards 
you got to look at the AB InBev and the Miller Coors guys. <laughs> you never find a low-fill can of theirs. They are so streamlined and efficient that it's nice to see some local craft brewers actually taking a note out of their playbook to work. Do we have any data on how much Sugar Hill actually produces? Because 30000 is a lot of money. So I had to do some digging. They only distribute, from what I could see, in North Carolina. And in a blog post I found on from IBM, they said the Carolinas. So I'm assuming maybe a couple spots in South Carolina. But they produce 7,000 barrels annually. They founded in 2014. So they're four to five years old. And I'm like, how are you able to operate for months losing 30 grand? And then I'm like, wait, maybe it's they're calculating that the beer that got wasted wasn't actually costing them money, but it was missed sales, so they were missing out on 30 grand of extra sales. Well, I did the math, and that would be about 20 barrels of beer that they were wasting a month. And I just did the math. Um, if we scale that to a month, that's 4% of your product. I mean, that's not that's a significant amount of your goddamn product. Oh, it's massive. <laughs> and I'm like, how are you affording either operating at a 30 grand deficit or missing out on that much sales because most craft breweries I know if they were losing that money physically each month would have been out of business after the first fucking month. Well, any business that's losing 4% of their product just yeah, with some exceptions I imagine, but that's that's a shit ton of product. Yeah. Uh and apparently with the new system they put in place with IBM, they uh acquired savings of a little over 10 grand a month. So, I'm like, okay, you're still losing 20 grand a month there something seems to be wrong or how they're figuring that 20 grand i'd really like to know to be like okay but that number just seems massive to me there's something in this story i feel like we're both missing because somewhere in there there's just again there's some guy kicking the valve open and spilling it directly onto the floor i have no idea or they're having to dump batches I mean that happens. You know, any any brewery's gonna have batches that just go south and But it then you wouldn't be blaming your bottling line. If exactly. you're losing that much on your bottling and canning lines, buy a new fucking line. Get a new brewer. I mean <laughs> Or buy a better line. If you're spending thirty losing thirty grand a month, take that money, buy a better line, and start making it back. <laughs> or invest in a in a gigantic internet boondoggle with AI and <laughs> Yeah. It it more confused me than impressed me, but I was like, oh, I like where the heart of the story is, but some of the details, I almost want to call shenanigans on. <laughs> I want to tour that brewery and just find out what they're doing. You want to go to Charlotte? I'm out. Road <laughs> trip. Let's do this shit. Perfect. All right. So, Jeremy, you were telling me that uh, we heard a little scuttlebutt on AB InBev versus Miller Coors? Well... As true to form, yes. AB InBev, we're going to make this pretty short because I'm starting to resent that AB InBev is in every single fuck episode we do. Sometimes more than once. Because, but I still feel like if you look out your window and every day you see a gigantic gaping asshole, it's not going to do you any good to try to ignore it. You have to point out the window and say, what is that gaping asshole doing? Someone get it out of the lawn. And I guess what I'm saying is AB InBev is that gaping asshole. So the short of long short of it, it came out on CBS News that the uh, the latest uh, the latest uh, shot over the bow the Miller Coors AB InBev uh, uh, fight. And if you don't know what we're talking about, 
Uh, you didn't watch the Super Bowl, and you were probably a better person for it. All you need to know is that the two biggest beer producers in America are having a dick measuring competition. And check out the trailers. <laughs> and check out the trailers. Um, the the latest to come out was from uh, from AB InBev trying to claim that because the CEO of Miller Coors uh, sent them a text thanking them for the Super Bowl commercial that there are no damages and it's all fine, it should be dismissed. Screenshot the fucking text and send it out on social media. He, he did actually. It's it's. <laughs> and has anyone confirmed whether that number is actually the CEO of Miller Coors? Yes, that's been that's been confirmed. Okay, well, then. I mean, it, it it is one of those, I do kind of want to slow clap AB InBev on that one, because it is like, wow, yeah, sort of, kind of well done. I mean, I'm never going to send you another text message again, but <laughs> no, I mean, at that point, I wouldn't see why a judge wouldn't at least side with them somewhat. Well, and AB InBev also said that, and this was, and they said it in the, in the, basically they, in legal speak, they said in the douchiest way possible, well, if you were transparent like we're going to be, people would already know you use corn syrup and we wouldn't have to have this discussion, which, take a minute and just think about that and you probably want to punch something. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, it, it, they say it in, in, uh, in more legalese than that, but it's still the douchiest thing I've ever heard <laughs> come out of a major corporation that wasn't J. Crew. I bet the ABM Bev lawyers just popped wood hearing that. <laughs> so we're going to leave that one. All you need to know is it's still out there and still depressing. What the fuck is Paps doing news now? So this, new, this news comes from uh, mybeerbuzz.com. Paps is releasing a new variant that would add to their already disturbingly high collection, including Paps Pale Ale, for those who want a nice pale ale, but without any of the flavor. That was fucking terrible. (laughs) One that's shitty. Um, Or, if you want their easy uh, PBR, for those who look at a PBR and go, mmm, too heavy. Or, these are all true, by the way, uh, Paps Blue Ribbon Dry, whatever the fuck that means. (laughs) Or the... Black can PBR. PBR Extra. Yeah. PBR Strong. Coming now, PBR Hard Coffee. Let's also not forget that they own uh, Not Your Father's Root Beer as well. Oh, I fell, I fell down a rabbit hole trying to figure out all of uh, what uh, Paps owns. I'm just kind of going with the stuff they have branded. But holy shit. Yeah, they own Ballantine, Old Style. At least, at, at least one of those uh, beers you see a hobo drinking most of the time. I think they own Rainier. They own Rainier. I want to say Old Milwaukee. Who knows? Or something. I mean, they, they own something that is basically hobo juice. <laughs> hobo juice with coffee now? Hobo juice with coffee for that hobo on the go. <laughs> so. If you use that, I need a kickback. <laughs> this, so this is actually a variation of PBR's iced coffee, which is already on the market. I didn't know this, but there is a uh, PBR has an iced coffee already out there. I kind of want to try this. This new one adds milk for reasons that sound just absolutely awful. It seems to be a level of desperation that it's they're trying to stay relevant for me. They are clearly trying to uh, uh, trying to become a craft brand, uh, but this alcoholic iced coffee just seems weird. It feels like Toyota trying to uh, fix a sales slump by releasing one of those amphibious boat cars. I just have so many questions like, why are you doing this? Is it even okay? Is that what you do now? And 
What the fuck are you doing? I kind of, in a sick, morbidly sense, I want to try this just to see if it's palatable or not. Well, the interesting thing is, so I know, obviously this, the iced coffee is not out yet, but the, uh, the, uh, uh, hard coffee is out and I checked it out on untapped and actually the reviews are pretty good. Um, the worst it got was something along the lines of better than I expected. I wouldn't have another one, but this one was okay. Everybody else was like amazing, out, this outstanding, huh? Delicious. I know. Maybe it's employees. I was, <laughs> I was ex- really expecting Untapped to be better than that. I was really hoping to read a line of bitchy comments, but I mean, in some convoluted, drunken stagger, I can kind of connect the dots with them. With them owning the Hard Root Beer Company, which people went batshit crazy over for a long time, and then realized that oh. Pabst owns this. Uh, so I can kind of see how they go from beer to hard root beer to coffee. But, but it seems weird that they would put the Pabst label on it. Because it is it is the Pabst Blue Ribbon on a field of brown. Which it often is. Depending on the hobo. <laughs> or hipster. Or hipster. Hipster which, hobo. Which, that actually just came to mind. That is the ultimate tie-in for a fucking hipster. You know what? I I cannot believe... PBR, coffee in the morning, PBR at evening. You know what? I didn't even think that, but they but they do have a lot of hipster following, and wow, they know their people. You know what? I take it back. Somebody at PBR is a goddamn genius. <laughs> what, who, drink, who drinks the fuck out of our beer? Um, 20-somethings in trucker hats with bad uh, facial hair. That they spend six dollars on a cup of coffee. Do they? Yeah. Do they drink shitty coffee? Do they ever? <laughs> Can we put booze in coffee? Oh, I'm glad you asked. We don't even need to do that, but we'll do it in case they have the day off of their work or class, <laughs> or if they just really need to get shit faced on PBR first thing in the morning. True. Hair of the dog, man. Although I did have a, one question that did occur to me. I mean. Uh, this notwithstanding, this seems like a, a, a something out of left field, but Pabst clearly is trying to rebrand themselves as a craft beer. But with as much as the big breweries always say, "All oh, this this craft beer thing is just a fad," why is it that so many are trying to rebrand themselves as craft? Because they have realized that the it's not a fad anymore. They're going to keep saying that to boost the ego of their drinkers and be like, "Oh, you know, no, you don't need to go try that." But then they're like, hey, no, look at us. We're like a craft beer. Come over here and drink with us. Or this thing that's... it's So it's listed on untapped as a stout, which is adorable. <laughs> but I, it's not beer as far as I understand the concept. It's no. malt beverage. Yeah. A flavored malt beverage. So. I am still outside the whole hipster joke trend apart. I am... Curious that they are throwing their own blue ribbon on it because I would feel if you're trying to really pull in the craft drinker, you're gonna create some convoluted name to try to get them in that's not PBR and be like, oh, an alcoholic coffee, this is great. Let's send this all <laughs> over the country trading this beer. This is fantastic. <laughs> hey, we want to trade an iced coffee for that uh, uh, Fremont? Yeah. No. Although, that being said, I mean, there's only eight reviews on it on Untapped, so I think it's a, like a limited release or something they got going on. But anyway, good luck, Pabst. I kind of, if I see it, I may pick one up just out of morbid curiosity. I'm going to try to find it where they'll sell it to me by the single bottle or can. 
<laughs> I want to go try to find a place else. Has anyone ever tried to buy a single can of Pabst? That's not a beer you buy by itself. It's You buy it by the 12-pack. There is also a bar here in the Treasure Valley that does a mystery can vending machine. So you give him a number, one through four. He hits that number on his vending machine, and you get whatever can pops out. Could be PBR. Could be a double IPA from Melvin. That strikes me as like a lottery that... You lose a lot. <laughs> like, come on, come on, double IPA, double IPA. Oh. No whammy, no whammy, whammy. Oh, that's a big whammy. That's an iced coffee right up the pooper. <laughs> All right. Tyler, anything else to add? No, I think that's it. Go out, have a beer, have fun. Well, this has been It's All Beer. Remember, if you want to uh, get a hold of us, especially if you're out on the East Coast, if I still have questions about how big pumpkin beers are out there, I have this like distinct uh, uh, impression that they are bigger out there than they are here, but whatever. Uh, if you have questions, because I have them, you can find us at Twitter on Facebook at It's All Beer, or you can email us at itsallbeer at gmail.com. Music was Retro Future Dirty by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. And remember, if you dig this show, leave a review. It takes a second, and it puts a little smile on Tyler's face. Woohoo! That was the sound you hear every time that happens. That's a five-star little woohoo. So just, that's for you. If you hit five stars, that woohoo was for you. Uh, that'll do it for today. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Go have a beer.